Hi, everyone. Before we get started on today's podcast, we wanted to let you know that we're trying out a new, different sound and format on Mass Ave. Please let us know what you think about the new direction and any topics you might want to hear more about on Facebook or in a comment on iTunes. As always, thanks for listening. Now back to the show. From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero. And I'm Emily Vanderbush. And this is Mass Ave. Bitcoin. Have you heard of it? It's that magic internet money. How does Bitcoin work and how does it reinvent our current currency? So are we underestimating the potential threat from Bitcoin as it runs up in value? We want to turn to Bitcoin. This has been the headline of the moment, certainly all weekend as well, as well as all year. But how does Bitcoin actually work? Can you really buy stuff with it? And are digital currencies here to stay? Today, we're tackling this issue and trying to break down the super complicated idea of cryptocurrencies. We talked with Norbert Michel, director of Heritage's Center for Data Analysis, who has written a lot about Bitcoin. Hi, Norbert. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's take this at a really 101 level. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is the world's first digital or electronic currency that was neither produced by a government nor backed by any physical commodity. So it's a form of money and it's not produced by a government and it's not backed by anything. How are Bitcoins created then if they're not printed or produced by the government? They're they're created by an underlying process called mining that verifies they're being legitimately used. Legitimately as in, um, I'm spending something to you, you are accepting it, and we agree on that transaction. So the, the use of Bitcoins is actually what creates more Bitcoins. Okay, Emily here. Can we pause for just a minute? Norbert mentioned mining. What does that mean? Yeah, so I think this is where it starts to get pretty complicated. Let me see if I can slowly take us down this rabbit hole. The key invention when it comes to this issue wasn't Bitcoin itself. It's something called the blockchain, and mining has to do with that. The same way we keep track of dollar transactions with a ledger, you keep track of Bitcoin through the blockchain. The blockchain itself is actually a series of complicated encryptions or code. Think of these codes as mathematical solutions. And as each one is solved, it forms a block. These codes are written in a peer-to-peer network. Really smart people across the world are solving these solutions in code and in doing so, keeping track of transactions. This is called mining. They do this because every time someone completes a block, they're rewarded with Bitcoin. And this system is extremely safe and secure. Prior to this system, digital currency wasn't possible because it could be replicated and fraudulent. Super complicated, I know, but does this make a little more sense? Yes, I think so. Okay, so if I wanted to buy Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency, where would I go? Norbert talked about that. Let's go back to that conversation on where you can buy Bitcoin. You could either go onto an exchange, much like a stock exchange, and you want to go buy some stocks, uh, or you could find somebody else who has some and you can buy them directly from them. And that's kind of the cool thing. Prior to Bitcoin, if you or I wanted to send money to each other electronically, uh, we couldn't do that without a third party to verify it, like a bank. Well, with Bitcoin, that changed. 
So we could basically email each other money directly, one-on-one. So if you want to buy some Bitcoin and you go and find somebody else, like say Emily has some Bitcoin, you could buy them directly from her. Hmm. Where do you keep your Bitcoin? Is there like a, oh. a did, is there an app for that? Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, you technically don't keep it anywhere. Uh, you, technically, there's no Bitcoin itself. You have a record of the fact that you own a Bitcoin, and that's kept in something called your, your wallet. That's kind of like that app. Digital wallet. Digital wallet. So it's all digital. Um, and really all the wallet is uh, is sort of like a, a mini ledger or a spreadsheet that keeps track of your transactions, uh, which address has them. So at this point, can I buy things with Bitcoin? What can you buy with Bitcoin? Yes. it's So it's still very much in the early stages of the technology, but um, many different retailers do accept it. You can buy a pizza. You can go uh, Papa John's. Dell, Microsoft, Expedia.com. There's a long list of retailers that do directly accept Bitcoins. And there are also many gift card companies where you can buy a gift card with your Bitcoin and then take that gift card to any other retailer so that you could indirectly use the Bitcoins if you had to. So if at Papa John's right now, <clears throat> there's an option to pay in Bitcoin. Is it called yeah. Bitcoin or does it say cryptocurrency? I haven't done it in a while, but yeah, <laughs> it, but it was Bitcoin. I mean, I think, yeah. Um, it, That's really cool. It was, yeah. Yeah. And there are many others. So, I mean, they might be accepting more than that now. I, I don't, I'm not advertising for Papa John's or anybody, but I'm not, but I haven't, um, I haven't kept up with how much Papa John's is, how many different ones they're accepting. And by ones, you mean different cryptocurrencies. Dif- right, right. Different cryptocurrencies. Sorry. And so those other cryptocurrencies, did they use the same blockchain or is it a different blockchain? That That's a great question. They're, they're all in some way or fashion based on or inspired by the original blockchain, but many of these are different. Uh, they're probably over a hundred different ones now and they all have subtle differences some are more centralized some are less some have different mechanisms for determining how many will be produced um ether or ethereum is another popular one that one's really more of a like a, a, a computer network a software mm-hmm. network uh, so it, it's or a software platform um so they're they're all they all have some some decent sized differences, and if anybody did want to go and investigate before they wanted to buy one, they should really be careful and see exactly what it is they're getting. Can you cash out your Bitcoin or sell it for dollars? Yes. Again, the stock uh, stock market is sort of a decent analogy here. If you have some Bitcoin, you can exchange it on via an exchange. That's one way, um, and get U.S. dollars for it or you know, any other uh, currency, really. Or if you have some Bitcoin and you go find somebody else, you can sell it to them for you for dollars or any other currency. Same same thing. So I heard a story in the news the other day that uh, rapper 50 Cent was accepting Bitcoin a long time ago for one of his albums, and he forgot that he had it. (laughs) And he came across his Bitcoin, and it turns out he has $8 million. Who else has Bitcoin? So nobody knows for sure, really, who all has them. Is it anonymous? It is pseudo-anonymous. Okay. Um, you, can, you can see the addresses. That's all public. 
but we don't necessarily know exactly who belongs to those addresses. But once somebody like Fitty says, you know, that, yeah, I have some Bitcoin, well, then, yeah, you can start, you know, so you can, you know, who has it or who doesn't have it. There have been lots of surveys done, uh, and those surveys suggest that it's mostly younger males, uh, and it's split sort of evenly between minorities uh, and non minorities. And that's a little bit different than the general population for the US anyway. But that's what it looks like. Okay, so all of that being said, now that now that we're kind of caught up a little bit as mm-hmm. to what this is, because it's very complicated, what is the conservative stance on digital or cryptocurrencies? Our the conservative stance is that the government should not have a mo- uh, monopoly on money, and government policy should ensure that there are no barriers, no legal barriers to any particular type of money. So we should foster these things, and this is ultimately the only way that we can figure out uh, what people view as the best money, is to let these things, let different types of currencies exist and let them compete in the sense that we let people decide by showing what they prefer uh, to decide to figure out what's the strongest type of money. I've read that there, there's worry that the government would try and stop Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a legitimate concern in that the federal government is very powerful and can shut down pretty much anything electronic, I think. Um, the thing here is there are any money laundering rules and, and regulations that already, before Bitcoin even, that make it uh, virtually impossible for anybody to transmit money electronically without somebody on one end of that transaction knowing who that person is. Um, And a lot of what has taken up uh, time in this area is people figuring out ways to to comply with those laws and rules and still use Bitcoin. So it's as, as long as you are using it in a legitimate way, you really shouldn't have any concern about that. And it, and it is the case, it is undeniably the case that people are using this for legitimate legal purposes. So I, I, what I tell people is if you're not a drug dealer, don't worry about it. If you want to use it, you can use it. It's perfectly okay. Not that I'm endorsing anything. Uh, by no <laughs> means does the Heritage Foundation say that anyone should go out and buy Bitcoin. Right. Not. <laughs> not yeah. endorsing. Unless you can afford it, then by all means. But, go for it, yeah. Uh, what are the advantages of using Bitcoin? Uh, well, many people see this as um, a way of using something that is potentially more sound, and like they don't trust the government, they don't trust the Fed, they don't like using the government currency. That's one way. Um, another way of looking at this is that it does have a commodity aspect, so there's an investment component. Um, again, not that we're endorsing any investments, but a lot of people have invested in it, using it, buying it thinking that it would go up in value, which, of course, is the opposite of what's happened with the U.S. dollar. So those things are kind of intertwined. Um, And those are sort of the two primary reasons driving the the use of it. Does that drive the price as well? It it does. And when this is going to be a little jargony, but um, when you have something with a predetermined sort of finite lid on supply, the only thing that drives it is demand. So throw into that mix this investment component uh, and people changing their minds on the investment side, 
that makes it tend to be volatile. The price tend to be rather volatile because the only thing driving it is that demand. So that that has been, uh, I hate to say a problem, but that has been sort of one of the, the issues with it. Um, sort of as it's become more and more accepted, it sort of works against itself. The price goes way up and it can come way back down. So that makes people sort of scared of it and not want to use it. But you only get to that point after people have really started using it. And so is it your opinion that the bubble could burst, but that's okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, just like, again, just like with any, you know, any sort of investment, um, you know, prices can crash. That happens. Uh, We'll never know if it's a bubble until after we can look back and say, oh, that was a bubble. Um, But just like I again, this is another one of these things that I tell people. If you go back, everybody knows about the stock market crash of 1929, right? Well, by the end of 1929, all that value had come back. The stock market literally gained back everything it had lost. So, yes, the price can fluctuate wildly on Bitcoin or any of these other cryptocurrencies, but that doesn't mean that they're not valuable. It doesn't mean that they won't last, and it doesn't mean that you won't be able to get past that. So if it's something that you think has value for a good reason, then it probably does. If you don't, then okay, don't worry about it. And then also that the the value is this idea that we're not only going to be reliant on the fiat. That's right. That's right. A lot of people don't like that idea at all. Um, and there are lots of other cryptocurrencies that are tied to some sort of precious metal. And, and there, there's lots of different layers to that. But um, So that's a way of those sorts of individuals uh, combining these ideas. Emily, what do you think? Do you know more about Bitcoin? Yes, or at least I think I do. But that was a very fascinating discussion. And that's it for this episode of Mass Ave. If you like today's podcast, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can leave us a comment on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Be sure to join us next week where we are going to talk about infrastructure. Mass Ave is produced by Michelle Cordero and Emily Vanderbush. With editing by Thalia Rampersad. 